Marietta Baker got away with Christian science because she used the Bible as bait to plant her poison. And we need to know that's not enough just for a person to carry a Bible and say, well, we have a Bible. But there is a manner in which we interpret or understand the Bible. In Christian science, everything is allegorized. It is lifted out of the real, the historic, the meaningful into the vivid imagination. And tonight, the best course that we can take to counter Christian science is to apply basic principles of Bible interpretation. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. We're glad to have you on the air with us today. And we're continuing our series on Christian scientism. Now, it comes under a few different names, the Christian Science Church, the Church of Christ Science, the First Church of Christ Scientist. The founder was Mary Eddy Baker. Did you know that she was the only woman to have her name listed in the Hall of Fame as the single female founder of a world religion? She was a pioneer thinker. She is supposed to have opened new doors in theology, medicine, and science. She is called an active healer. She claimed to heal people who had incurable ailments and established a widely practiced system of prayer-based healing. Some refer to her as a, a reformer, and she would certainly buy her adherence. Uh, she founded a church, teaching college, publishing company, and a newspaper. In 1995, she was elected to the National Women's Hall of Fame as the only American woman to found a worldwide religion. Now, it's all based upon Mary Eddy Baker's discovery. She suffered greatly herself with ill health in her childhood and in later adult life. And then in 1866, when she was 46 years old, as she read about Jesus healing the paralyzed man in Matthew chapter 9, she claims that she was healed of a serious injury. Now, Mary Eddy Baker's name, of course, is always attached to the Church of Christian Science or Christian Scientism uh, because of her claims. Now, Christian Science is really very poorly named because it is neither Christian nor science. It is more mysticism, and it is in almost every doctrine a denial of Christian doctrine, a denial of sin, a denial of reality, a denial of the deity of Jesus Christ, denial of the Trinity, a denial of a personal God, and uh, this is the great tragedy that there are so many denials linked to this whole thing. So what do we do? We have to go to the Bible, do our research, take a look at it, and that's what we're doing here on these programs today. And I trust the Lord will bless you through his word and give you a heart to seek the Lord today and to turn from these false religions and to seek after God. I have this little booklet, World Religions Made Easy. give you more on that at the end of the program. And uh, stay tuned right to the end. We'll get you the announcements, phone number, website, and so on. Stay tuned now as we move to our message. He lives. Here is reality. 
there's two things that I think we should address tonight. Firstly, we need to apply proper rules of Bible interpretation. Mary Eddy Baker got away with Christian science because she used the Bible as bait to plant her poison. And we need to know That's not enough just for a person to carry a Bible and say, well, we have a Bible. But there is a manner in which we interpret or understand the Bible. In Christian science, everything is allegorized. It is lifted out of the real, the historic, the meaningful into the vivid imagination. And tonight, the best course that we can take to counter Christian science is to apply basic principles of Bible interpretation. Now, what should the first one be? Well, we need to accept the verbal inspiration of the Bible. Now, I think most people, at least in lip service, would say, well, we agree with the inspiration of the Bible. We believe that the Bible comes from God. It's a sacred book. It is a special book. And it is given by revelation. It's a book that has been revealed. But what do we mean by verbal inspiration? It comes down to the words of the Bible. The actual each and every word that God has given in the scriptures of truth. Now, we have no problem with 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. Now, what do we mean by all Scripture? We mean that every word, every chapter, or if we could start with every book, every chapter, every verse, every single word. And the Lord Jesus said that not a jot or a tittle, those were the two smallest marks in the Hebrew alphabet, would be lost from the scriptures of truth. And so our Bible study comes right down to the meaning of words, each and every word. In fact, there's a verse in Galatians chapter 3 where the argument is ever over one word, whether it's plural or singular. Maybe you'd like to turn it up. It's Galatians 3 and verse 16. And the uh, whole point of the uh, message in this verse is that Abraham, that the promise was given to one seed, not many seeds. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So it's one seed. And the whole argument of the doctrine in Galatians 3 and verse 16, it comes down to one word. Is it a singular word or a plural word? And so when we talk about the verbal inspiration of the Bible, we're talking about, is it a verb? Is it a noun? Is it an adjective? 
Is it a pronoun? Is it a preposition? It comes down to the actual word, the construction of words, what we call syntax in grammar. And this brings us to study the Bible grammatically, grammatically, according to the structure of the words right here in the Bible. It was John Calvin who said this, the first business of an interpreter is to let his author say what he meant to say. That's our first task. You can't come to the Bible with your own ideas and say, well, let's look through the Bible and see if we can find these ideas somewhere. That's not Bible study. That's not submission to the Word of God. That's putting your own notions upon the Bible, and that's never to be done. We're not to read between the lines and say, well, I, I think what God was trying to say, that's rubbish. God was never trying to say anything. God said it. What he spoke, he meant, and he gave his word to be understood. Now, Mary Eddie Baker and many cultists, they take the statements of the Bible and they just pour in any idea they wish. For example, in Christian science, the Trinity is made out to be truth, love, and life. Ideas, not persons. But we know that when we talk about the Christian Trinity, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't pour in our notions into real terms in the Bible. Could a lawyer do this with a document? Say someone was writing out their, their legal will and they were leaving their property to an heir. Can the lawyer say, well, it was uh, wife, son, and daughter. We'll make that out to be hospital, school, and church. Can't do that. Wife means wife. One wife. One son, one daughter. And if a lawyer drew up the will carefully, he would put the names in. He would put the date of birth in. He would make sure that the ID is accurate. Do you not think that God has done this when he gave us the Bible? That when he intended to state his mind to men, that he gave us real, meaningful words? And so this is the verbal, word for word, inspiration of the Bible, not ideas, not dynamic equivalence. And many modern Bible versions have resorted to this. They take what God said, they put it into the dynamic equivalent of a new modern language, and you do not have a word-for-word -word value translation. Now, when we talk about studying the Bible and interpreting the Bible grammatically, it means that we have to take each word as it builds in the structure of sentences. The Bible is given in sentences. Human language comes in sentences. What is a sentence? It's one truth or idea. The fat cat sat on the mat. That's one sentence. Now you have different words building that sentence. The, that's an article, particular. Fat, that's an adjective describing the cat, a noun. Sat, 
That's the verb. It's actually doing something. A, a verb is a doing word. Sat on the mat. And again, that's a noun. It's a name of a particular piece of material, cloth, carpet, whatever. And that sentence, one sentence, each word means so much. And you can't juggle the words. You can't say the fat mat sat on the cat. That changes it all around. You take the words as they are built in the grammar of the language. And when God gave his word in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, Greek in the New, he gave it according to the rules of grammar, according to the manner of communication that God has given us. And so when you come to the Bible, you cannot interpret it any which way you want or read it any which way you want. You wouldn't treat the newspaper like that. If you were to read a newspaper article, you must start at the beginning and follow the, the line of thinking. You don't start in the middle. That first paragraph in an article of a newspaper is all important. It gives you vital information to understand and build for the rest. If you start in the middle without taking heed of what was prior to that, you're lost. It's exactly the same with the Bible. And we have to take this into account. Cults in general, and Christian science in particular, totally ignore any basic rules of Bible study. To them, the Bible is for mystics. To them, the Bible is just the spawning ground for a wild imagination. And they pour in any idea that they please. Apart from this, Christian scientists are locked into the interpretation of Mary Eddy Baker and her wild imagination. And that becomes the bondage. That becomes the absolute torment. Now this gives rise to the comment where people say, well, I took it out of the Bible. And I'd have to say, well, it must be taken out of the Bible because I can't find it in the Bible. That's what people do. They say, I got it out of the Bible. But how did they get it? Taking a word here and a word there, that's not Bible interpretation. That's man's imagination run wild. Thirdly, so there's two things. You've got verbal inspiration, grammar. Then you have that the scripture has only one sense or meaning, only one meaning. When you believe in God-given words, that each and every word was breathed by God the Holy Spirit when holy men were moved to write the scriptures. Words that were structured to convey the message of God to man, following the rules of earthly language, then there's only one meaning to that message. Not two or three or four. Not a spiritual, a literal, and uh, some allegorical. Now, it is true that Various texts in the Bible and statements in the Bible have different applications. And there's a very big difference between reinterpreting the Bible and taking an application from the Bible. For example, as I preach to you tonight, we have fathers, husbands, workers, and we have wives, daughters, homemakers, secretaries, musicians, people of different walks and interests. 
And so as we learn the truths of God, you apply them in your life situation. I apply them in my life situation. And if there's 50 people in a meeting, it could have 50 different applications. But it's only one truth. It's only one absolute, fixed, unchanging truth that we have discovered in the Word of God. And that's why it's wrong if you ever go along to a Bible study and you have a group of people, maybe a dozen people sitting around, and they will pass the Bible and they say, well, what does this mean to you? When you read that, what did it mean to you? And by the time the Bible study is over, you could have 10 out of 12 different meanings or ideas. But the Bible has only one meaning. Only one. Now, it can take some research and some uh, homework to get to that meaning. But there's only one meaning. The Bible has only one meaning. Now, another principle is based in our Westminster Confession of Faith, and that is the interpreter of Scripture is the Scripture itself. I want to read to you just this statement, section 1, verse 9. The infallible rule of interpretation of Scripture is the Scripture itself. Therefore, when there is a question about the true and full sense of any Scripture, which is not manifold but one, it must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. So where do you go to understand the Bible? You go to other parts of the Bible. And if there is something that is mentioned sort of in passing, it's not dealt with very deeply or thoroughly, does the Bible teach this from Genesis to Revelation? Or is this just one time only? And the general rule of thumb is that if you've only got one text for a doctrine, you don't have a foundation. Because if it's a major doctrine, you'll find it in every book of the Bible. It will be systematically, clearly revealed right through the Bible. The doctrine of sin. You'll find it in Genesis. You'll find it right through the whole Bible. The doctrine of atonement by blood. You'll find it in Genesis right through the whole Bible. The doctrine of the Trinity. You'll find it in Genesis and Deuteronomy. You'll find it in the Gospels, in Acts, in the Epistles, in Revelation. The doctrine of the deity or the sonship of Jesus Christ. It's in every place of the Bible. It's not just one little uh, passing place. Now, God never contradicts himself. There is no contradiction in the Bible. I know there may be difficult passages in the Bible, but God never contradicts himself, saying one thing in the Old Testament and the opposite in the New Testament. And it is the task of every Bible student and interpreter to study the Bible sufficiently to understand the whole scope of the Bible's teaching so that you don't have contradictions. Now, that's one of the major problems for Christian scientists because they try to be Christian, they try to be scientific, but they're mystical. They say the material is an illusion. They talk about the Jesus, but who was he? What Jesus? Sometimes they'll refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth. Sometimes they'll refer to him as the son of Mary but then they don't believe in a real body. So it's contradictory. Sometimes they'll refer to the death of Jesus, but they don't really believe in death. 
And so it seems that every hand they turn, it's contradictory because the whole foundation is wrong and that's why I called it a stew. Now the sad thing is that because they mix this up with a whole healing manner, they end up denying reality, the reality of suffering in the world. A little child may come to his mother and father and say, I've got a headache, and the mother and father in Christian science would say, oh, it's just in your mind. Well, headaches would be in your mind, wouldn't they? Or I've got a sore arm, or I've got a pain in my tummy. And they will say, oh, no, you don't need help. You don't need a doctor. And many Christian science people, they will suffer endlessly, denying they go into denial, and they even deny death, and there are those who just seemingly vanish. There's no announcement about a death, or a funeral, or a gathering of a church for a memorial. Uh, they just disappear. And so, you can understand that this becomes problematic. And one of the big issues, and I've had a, a man call me a number of times and email me many, many times. He's been in Christian science and there's a, an awful guilt, a spirit of fear that if he was to move out of Christian science and go for medical help, I, I, I can't describe the mental bondage this person is in. It's, it's a grip of awful fear. And he sees the inconsistencies, the contradictions of Christian science. He wants out of it. But to take that step to go for medical help, there's a a dark hand of bondage at work. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I do thank you for joining with us. And I trust that there's a word of hope for you here in the midst of all of this. And that, of course, is in the glorious message of the gospel. What a wonderful thing that we have a, a salvation of mercy a gospel of good news to sinners, that there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. We don't have to go into denial. In fact, the Bible's all about open confession, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so we acknowledge that sin is real, the curse is in the world, there is suffering in the world, and our Lord Jesus came into a world of sin where Men, women, boys and girls need God's so great salvation. And so this is our hope and this is our confidence. But men seemingly would rather fall into denial than to live in the glorious light of the gospel. Mr. Spurgeon said, I will tell you why you think forgiveness too good to be true. It is because you measure God's corn by your own bushel. Remember that his ways are not our ways nor his thoughts, your thoughts. Why? You think that if any man had offended you, you could not have forgiven him. But God is not a man. He can forgive you where you cannot. And where you would take your brother by the throat, God would forgive him seventy times seven. And this is the, the gospel. God is a God who loves to forgive sin. He sent his Son to redeem us and purchase us out of the guilt and debt of sin. There is power in the name of the Lord Jesus to forgive men their sin. 
But we have to come to confess. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners. And it seems to me that this whole religion of Christian science is a denial of man's real state, that we're in a fallen world where sin abounds around us, and we ourselves are sinners. We have broken God's law. We are the the sentence of death is upon us. Our bodies grow weak by age. We will face death, and we need a Savior. And this is the confession, the acknowledgement of all who will come to the Lord Jesus, put their trust in him to find the life, this wonderful life, which the Lord Jesus promises to his people. He says, I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. How pitiful and how dark this religion of Christian science and such cults that deny the reality of these things. It's all to keep men away from the true knowledge and the joy of God's salvation. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's the hope of the world. He gives us the promises of eternal life, and all who accept and believe and put their trust in the Lord Jesus as their Redeemer have this glorious hope, and it is hope eternal because we are saved both now and forevermore. Thank you for being a part of our program today. Now, we have a booklet, and it's called uh, Religions Made Easy. It's a 64-page ready reference booklet that uh, will go through a number of these religions and examine them in light of biblical Christianity. There's a pull-out section on the person, deity, and the grace of the Lord Jesus, and you may find this very, very helpful to you. These are $5 in the meal for those who get in touch with us. We look forward to sending this out. So stay tuned as we give you all the information now on how you may be in touch with us here. Our website, I'll just give you that now, is www.cloverdalefpc.ca. And there you'll get all the information of these issues. So thank you for joining with us. Stay tuned for the announcements now. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. 
click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on the station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.